The internet has become an all-you-can-eat buffet of post-college extracurricular lectures. Most of them are pre-recorded by well-known teachers, creatives, or in the case of the master class, celebrities. There are the well-known platforms like Coursera, The Great Courses, Skillshare, Thinkific, and the aforementioned Masterclass. But should you be taking these self-paced leisure courses or self-paced courses that are actually honored by colleges like Sophia? Or what about free, massive online open courses? Do jobs care about any of these internet lectures? Or should we be paying attention to tech certifications like the ones Google started offering? If we had a battle of bands for internet courses, which of these would actually make you a better person, help you achieve your goals, bring you closer to self-actualization? You're listening to The Reengineered You. This is a podcast about self-empowerment, all the myths, lies, and misconceptions we tell ourselves. Then we use science and history to bust those myths and re-engineer a better you. I'm your host, Todd Laments, The Extrovert. And I'm the writer, researcher, and introvert, Joe Anthony, whose job it is to dig through the outer lay of no-duh on the internet. This episode will be part one in a two-part exploration of a la carte education. In next week's episode, we'll take a more holistic approach to post-college self-education. Do we really need another online course? Or are we really craving something else? But today, we get to tackle the online courses themselves. Myth one, which jobs allow it took a Skillshare class on their application? Which state colleges honor Coursera? Do any of them? Myth two, I paid for the master class, so why aren't I a master yet? Did I waste my time? Myth three, what's the difference between a club and a course? Why do colleges consider high school debate club money in the bank on an application, but the debate master class Turns us a shrug. We're going to get into our mess, but first I want to tell Joe what happens when he cuts out early during one of our live presentations, and I get the mic all to myself. Todd and I get asked to do uh, presentations sometimes. About one a week. Yeah, and they're usually, how do we build a podcast? Sometimes it's tell us an interesting story, explain how, you know, from me, it's oftentimes the structure of storytelling. But we had a presentation where we were sharing our behind the scenes process on how to write and prepare for episodes. And I had a therapy appointment the same hour. Like I, it was, it was 30, both were supposed to be an hour. They overlapped by about 30 minutes and so I told Todd, instead of us both presenting at the same time, doing a comedy duo like we usually do, I will do the first 30 minutes, then I'll leave. You do the second 30 minutes. Todd, how did those last 30 minutes go? Well, this is the problem with this whole ducking out on old Todd in the middle of a presentation. Joe and I have very distinct, different jobs on this podcast. <laughs> and we don't really bother the other one about what they do because we don't have the skill set to really give them feedback or criticize them. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Joe did a good job getting this started. Um, it turned out fine. 
and only and I was a little nervous about it. I always feel more comfortable, you know, talking about our own stuff is one thing or stuff that we've written and prepared. But when it's on our own, we we've done the show for so long, we kind of answer each other's uh, thoughts and questions. But yeah, got, you you do jump in quite a bit while I'm presenting. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you're losing the crowd. I can that see their why. eyes glazing yeah. over. So I <laughs> I got to get like a, a you know I got to sex up, make the story violent, so we can we can save the save the presentation. It was on Zoom. I could see somebody pulling up their sleeping bag and crawling in. Like I <laughs> I know that was happening. Um, but you you told me something afterward which I did not know because I didn't give anyone else a chance to talk. Um, most of them, I mean, everybody on that call had tried to start a podcast. Is that right? That's right. And that's a good, if, if you're flailing badly in any kind of presentation, go to questions and answer. Yeah. Because people love to hear themselves ask questions and speak. And that's, what's interesting about this. So we were doing a presentation of people who wanted to do their own podcast. What I didn't know until after the question and answers was these people have already tried and struggled in their journey. And that's why they were there. So they were really leaning in. They were listening extra hard because they'd had those pitfalls and they wanted to fix them and do their own show. Also, um, shout out to Nate if he's listening. One of the people in our presentation, like our class, they left, messaged us back, and then got themselves into a multi-million dollar podcast deal um, afterward. Now we can't take credit for that. We're not like directly mentoring him, but I'm going to anyway, I'm putting that <laughs> on my resume. Congratulations, Nate. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we want to talk about extracurriculars today as adults. We, we generally use the term extracurricular activity for high school and college, but honestly, every adult I know and hang out with, they do things to improve themselves they do things to um, hone their craft, to pad their resume, to make themselves a more viable job candidate. Or in my creative circles, they do it because they want to be better at what they're doing. I told you once, I took every master class about writing at some point. So how helpful is that, basically? And is it helpful? I mean, like, what's the the, the one Todd really seemed to enjoy... And, and of course, this will come out in part two. Um, what about going to a club in person? Like, you know, what what is that spark that you're missing if you don't go and show up somewhere and talk to people face to face? Well, it's the difference with these colleges. Like, well, I just go to school online. And is that the same experience as sitting in front of a professor or meeting the camaraderie of your other fellow students? Are you missing out on 75 percent? I know you're missing out on something. Just how much is something? Right. Um, you were telling me something interesting on the way over here. You were telling me that Val Kilmer and Robin Williams had both gone to Juilliard College. Both of those shocked me. Yeah. I, I watched this documentary on Val Kilmer, and it's just a really good show. It's called Val. It's an Amazon um, documentary. I didn't think of Iceman, Doc Holliday, Batman, as a serious actor. I thought of him as a pretty boy I, Maybe a kid model. Me too. I mean, one hundred percent. He was a he was a very talented lyric. and I thought of Robin Williams as just being this natural, gifted goofball. Didn't think he went to a premier Harvard like art school like Juilliard. 
With right. $50,000 a year nowadays tuition and a 7% acceptance rate of other brilliant artists. Right. Yeah, I, I, for some reason, like Ron White from the Blue Collar Comedy Tour, I assigned his backstory to Robin Williams. I was just like, he must have been the funny guy on his work crew and figured out how to make jokes with everybody and eventually got into comedy. I don't know why I assume that. Um, but that's that's effectively what part two is going to be about for this podcast. In part two, we will talk about what is the benefit of showing up and being around a pool of people who are just as talented as you and are competitively trying to improve. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to start with the, the part where Todd and I may have had some experience, which is uh, Skillshare, Coursera, Sophia, Great Courses, all these, all these online extracurriculars. And we'll delve into, you know, did, are you improving yourself by looking at what Pinterest has told you how to improve your house with? Um, are you taking tips from TikTok? You know, there, there's so many different avenues of self-improvement, self-awareness, um, like it livening up your life, adding color to things. So we're just going to talk about the bread and butter of the extracurriculars. What will actually get you, you know, more money? What will improve your life? What actually looks like it might be beneficial? Yeah, are they are they worth ten times what you paid for them, or are they just a total waste of money? Right, and if, well, we're not going to get into what we think is is worth the money yet. Um, but we will weigh in on it because Todd and I both have experience. So I, I think if you're okay with it, we'll start with the one that has kind of become the masthead of self-improvement online. The one that is the most colorful, has the most, um, the biggest PR campaign, obviously. I see their commercials everywhere. Uh, I received a gift of courses from them once and then kept taking them for a while. We're going to start with Masterclass, if you don't mind. There have always been leaked textbooks from as far back as the internet existed. There have always been instructional videos. There's always been you know, Bob Vila's Home Improvement Show. There's, there have always been ways to improve yourself, but they went from uh, VHSs that you rent at the library, tapes that you watch to make yourself <laughs> better at something. Those grainy these videos you paid like way to thousands of dollars for these tapes <laughs> so much that you lock them up in a fire gun safe because right <laughs> not only will you not let your friends use them because they're so valuable but <laughs> right and now we just go onto youtube and, and watch yeah. the same information uh by the way i learned how to weld by watching videos like that and it was terrible like it i don't think i gained anything out of it Maybe maybe a better sense of my mortality by trying to weld after that. You burned one of your arms is all you did. <laughs> if anyone... Lost sight like, of one eye. Kind of yeah. Thing. Why does Joe look like a pirate if anyone sees us in real life? You got to point it the other way. <laughs> well, there are a couple of crafting skills that they teach on. Um, we're talking about master class, of course. Um, and you can take crafting you can take writing you can take um they have debate history it sounds like rounded college courses but well i'm, I'm gonna sort of take a cue from the atlantic a magazine that sort of covered 
where Masterclass came from. And, and the name of the article is, What is Masterclass Actually Selling? And they talk about how the origins of Masterclass, the person who founded it, was trying to, um, as he put it, democratize access to genius. Now, he does that. There's lots of celebrities, and there are legit geniuses on Masterclass. There are people who, um, like Sam Jackson, has a, a Masterclass. Uh, RuPaul has a Masterclass. Um, David Mamet has a Masterclass. Like, these are people who are the absolute top of their field. Natalie Portman. Um, but what they're teaching, uh, the issue that Masterclass has, and they point this out in the article, everyone jumping into Masterclass is at a very wildly different skill level. If Masterclass was selling classes that were, um, let's say, tailored to whatever your field is, they would have to set a bar. They would have to do what, like, you know, English comes like English 1, English 2, English 3. You can't start English 3 without taking English 1 first because you literally won't understand the words or the references. So what Masterclass tries to do is they try to have a system where it doesn't matter what your skill level is when you first jump in. You can still listen in and you can still learn something. That also means that they're not going to be able to help you progress. So for example of this, I watched, I would say, about eight or nine different full-length master classes front to back. And they were all by writers. Very, very, very skilled writers. Amazing people. And almost all of them talked about what their creative process is, what they do to write, and like how you can attain it. And it sounded the same. Like watching Neil Gaiman sounded the same as watching David Mamet, sounded the same as watching... I mean, like, all these people were effectively telling you how to start writing. And I realized that is the, um, the weakness of Masterclass, is that it has to be ready for you no matter who you click on. These glossy, attractive-looking pictures and amazing video quality and these great audio and it's got music and it's, it's got all these... It looks very, very nice. Um... Well, actually, I'm going to use a quote from Atlantic here because I, I think they did such a great job. Um, they said that uh, Masterclass seems ideally suited to frustrated 30-somethings for whom education has not necessarily resulted in upward mobility or even a job. Um, Masterclass themselves refer to these people as CATS, which is an, uh, an acronym for Curious Aspiring 30-somethings. <laughs> <laughs> that's not flattering is it no it's not so they kind of know that you're going to come into it you're going to be curious and interested but you're not going to walk away with skills you're going to walk away with motivation and that's really what i got from this experience like you take a master class <laughs> you feel motivated so, to do the thing they're talking about none of these uh students are going to become the new york Times bestseller is what you're saying here Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Um, Masterclass kind of launched when there was hype around like um, online education had kind of fizzled. Um, MOOCs were starting to come out. Have, have you ever taken or heard of a MOOC? M-M-O-C? No. Or, sorry. M-O-O-C? I know that phrase for a different... 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm a mook. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I'll call it when I'm arguing with somebody. Colleges had the notion that to draw more people to attend and to start signing up for the most expensive thing in the world, an education, they should release massive open online courses. Oh, I have seen this, and, and I'm seeing this go on right now. Yeah. It's kind of the bait and switch, right? Yeah, on on YouTube, you can see these hour-long courses show up. I'll watch um, a writing lecture, and then I'll see a course for Harvard or MIT show up, and they're interesting. They're they're like, you know, here's how to, you know, start a, a career in computer engineering, or here is like, um, you know, something very very interesting, but it's it's got a narrow appeal, and it's it's for a class. The problem with a MOOC is that you don't get credit for it. Like you can sign up and get a certification showing that you attended if you sign up directly with the college. But generally speaking, they're free classes. You just watch it. Uh, it's almost like crashing and sitting in the back. Unfortunately, I think that Masterclass does even less for you because a MOOC is at least designed to initiate you into... Um, a series of classes or a career trajectory. Um, Masterclass, I'm just going to again quote um, The Atlantic because they, they, I can't sum it up better than they did. Um, the writer Karina Chocano said, a platform for dispensing assorted self-help and self-development bonbons for the young capitalist striver. <laughs> well, Joe, you're a naturally curious man. You are. You're childlike curious about everything pretty much that's one of the things i respect about you do you think there's any such thing as getting certification learning something and then it it's it's scarred tattooed in your brain you could use it on a job or do you think you have to quickly transition to either the next level of that education or using it in your day-to-day at work i think that when i watch something online i i take um as you know i i listen to podcasts nonstop. And I watch um, online courses whenever I'm not, whenever I'm fiddling with something. I will um, poorly build things in my wood shop and I will have online courses going. And I know, just from my own experience, a online class will fall into one of two categories. It is the background information of my life. You know, I'll, I'll watch a video about how um, police statistics work. I know that I will never use that in my life and I won't have to reach for it very often. So it goes into the background fuzz of my knowledge. Whereas online writing courses, I will pay close attention because I know that I'm going to transition that into doing like it. And you have to have a plan for that. I, I, I hope I'm wondering if you believe the same, but whenever you take an online course, you have to plan to sort of apply it. Otherwise it becomes part of the background fuzz, right? Uh, almost immediately if you don't use it I, I think you almost I don't remember anything if I don't use it right away yeah it, it's more of something more of a talking point <laughs> it's more of what I call something I tried not something that I do or certainly not something that I am right it, it's if you watch two or three hour long classes on something it starts to fill out your understanding of how it works as a field but it by no means prepares you for it Quick question. 
how much do you think these celebrities are getting paid to record a master class? Gosh, it depends how long it takes them, obviously, but I'm sure it's in the tens of thousands. That's actually a really good guess. Um, the courses range. Like some of them are like 10 episodes, some of them are 20. But Hollywood Reporter back in 2017 said that it was about $100,000, that it came out to be a roughly 100000 so not too shabby if you're <laughs> I hate well, not to say for it. something that you could resell and resell, right? Well, yeah, um, Masterclass definitely makes their money back because they can keep reselling those videos. And the celebrities are, I mean, it depends on the celebrity. Maybe for Natalie Portman, that's not that much. But for some of these writers who are like dramatic writers who don't make all that much money on like, you know, uh, stage. That pays the mortgage, keeps yeah, them going. That's not too bad. Um, in fact, uh, David Mamet's master class taught me that a hundred thousand is about how much you make for, you know, rewriting somebody else's screenplay and turning it in as your own work. So, well, tell me this um, ethically: Do you think that would you feel comfortable making, let's say, eighty, ninety thousand dollars on a program that you're selling to people that you know will never come to the level? even midpoint level of your writing ability that you're, I'm not going to say just taking their money. You are informing them, you're teaching them, you're giving them some real value. But do you think that that's not cool? After reading this article and reading about the founder of Masterclass and sort of figuring it out behind the scenes, even that that acronym, CATS, Curious Aspiring 30-somethings, I think they know that nobody is walking away from here as a master writer or master decorator, master performer. I think they know they're providing entertainment. I think that if you can justify that to yourself and say, we're just entertaining curious people, we are doing what Discovery Channel used to do. (laughs) Joe and I love cats. We're cat herders. All of our friends are in the kind of groups (laughs) that do this kind of stuff. And believe it or not, there's millions of people in this country that love to learn. They just like experiencing new things and getting smarter, even if it doesn't lead to a, a new job or a bump in pay. Right. If it sounds like I'm disparaging uh, Masterclass, the Chris Voss negotiation class was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I would have paid for and retaken the Masterclass courses just for that. Don't ever bring this up to Joe. He'll talk your ear off. I've made this mistake before. I will. Yeah. Don't say, what's that about? <laughs> it's about this FBI interrogator guy <laughs> and all of his stuff he learned. <laughs> yeah. it's you. If you look at it as entertainment, not something that will help you get a job, not something that will put you up to a better level in your field, you'll be fine. It'll, it'll be entertainment. But it's not going to be what we're talking about today on this episode. It is a... If we talk about extracurriculars, it is um, it is not up to par with drama club or chess club. It is <laughs> it is just not going to give you skills. It's going to interest you, which there's a value in that. So I've revealed that I have taken a master class. Um, can we talk about your extracurriculars? Like what? What kind of online courses and clubs and classes have you taken? Toastmasters, the public speaking, Toastmasters International public speaking class is where I met Joe. That's where I met my wife. It's something that I'm very involved in. I give a speech or am involved in a meeting in some capacity at least once a week. 
the second part of this um, two-parter, we are going to get really far into Toastmasters, clubs, drama, all those things that you mentioned. Because I, I think as you're talking about these, I'm hearing a lot of clubs, valuable clubs. Um, I, I've, I've split my time, honestly. In my life, I've taken more online courses than I have gone to clubs or done things in real life, classes, writing groups. I wish I had done more in-person stuff. I see the value in online, especially because I've been a night worker for 15 years. So I have, my best option is to fill my head with knowledge from online. Um, But the thing that seems to grant so much benefit is an in-person club. And that's what part two is going to be about. I mean, just to, just to briefly say it, chess masters didn't take an online course or read about game theory and then just become a master. They took that information directly to a club. They had to play against other chess players. And why would we assume anything about online education would make us more masterful without playing the game, whatever your chosen game is? Have you ever taken um, an actual four-credit online college course? No. They are pretty dense, but what I found surprising is you can almost take it like a podcast. Like, if if it isn't a higher course, then you might be in a class of 30 or 40 people. In which case, you get into side chatter by, you know, students creating discords, or you get into the class is small enough to where teacher will call on you. But most classes that I've seen are like, you know, basic biology. You're sitting in a Zoom class of like 100 to 300 people. So you could basically just like listen to it like a podcast, take the test at the end. It's much denser. But honestly, it's not that much different than some of these course classes we're going to be talking about. So that said, would you like to hear about which of all of those opening uh, course systems are actually worth something? Like like tangible, immediate, job-based, monetary, you know, will it get you a degree or will it get you paid? Yeah, like, bang for your buck. <clears throat> Don't waste your time. Right. Um, so what we're going to be looking at is... The, the two questions we're asking for each one of these, um, is it accredited for college courses? And second question is, uh, how's it look on a resume? So we're going to go through these basically one at a time. Um, we looked them all up for the show and we're going to basically talk about right away. We're going to say, this is not for the entertainment factor. We are not considering, is it interesting? Because yeah, some of these are really, really interesting, uh, like Masterclass. And being a well-rounded human is still high on our value list. It absolutely is. Yeah, it's not just what you get in return, but what you actually do with your life. It's still better than a few hours of TV every night. <laughs> right. These are strictly, it, does it get you a college credit, or does it get you you know, a, a green check mark on your resume? So we'll start with... Coursera. Um, Coursera is one of the big standards right now. Uh, it covers mostly data science, business, and health. Uh, 
and right away. Uh, is it accredited? No, it's not. However, this is going to be an asterisk on this one. Um, many of the classes from Coursera are taught by Yale and Stanford and University of London and real colleges. So you can, if you're already enrolled in a college, um, petition your academic advisor or the Department of Education and say, hey, I'm taking this course, can it count toward credit? Um, Coursera does allow you to get a little certificate at the end saying that you took it. That doesn't necessarily mean that you got tested. You know, most classes, the, the big thing at the end is the final quiz. Todd, how are you on tests, by the way? Are you, are you good at college quizzes? You know what? I did do a college class. I did Algebra 1 and Algebra 2. And I remember it being easier for me when it was broken up online because it really broke down what I needed to memorize. And to me, it turned into more of a video game than it would if I was sitting in a class. That is a darn good point that I hadn't thought about. Um, With my severe ADHD, I can go over things again and again and again and stay up all night geeking out on it, which I wouldn't be able to. I'd be embarrassed to do if it was in person. In person, especially like math, it's just a stream of lecture. It's just a it's just a, a waterfall of a teacher saying numbers at you until you are drowning, until you don't know where you got lost. But in an online course, you know immediately where you got hung up. Um, so yeah, if you're going to take math classes, go through Coursera, <laughs> do it at your own pace. Um, but if you're taking, if you're hoping to get college classes out of this, um, go to go to your college, ask first. Um, you may even, if you're a full adult, like you're, if you're a cat like me, or if you're older, go to a college. You might want to enroll. I mean, you you don't have to take a class to enroll. You can just enroll and tell the advisor, I will eventually take classes here, but for now I'm doing online. How many of those will transfer? Can I work with you? Um, I did that. I, I recently enrolled without attending at an online university, and I said, I'm going to be taking college courses online. How many of these can I count toward a curriculum with you? And they work with me. They gave me a list. I took an acting class at University of Washington, and no, those don't count towards anything, but it was so fun to walk around campus <laughs> and pretend to be a University of Washington Husky every Sunday at, at 5 p.m. <laughs> but I got every cent out of it. Okay, so there's another big name on this one, The Great Courses. I have not taken any of The Great Courses, but I do know about them because they are at the end of every goddamn YouTube video I see that has anything to do with education, self-improvement, or, or anything that is like, you know, niche or interest. At the end, the YouTube personality will always say, you know, you can learn more by going to the great courses online. <laughs> um, to our metric, no, they're not accredited. No, there's no quizzes or projects, so it can't even really possibly be graded. Um, again, they may have very interesting material. Their their ads may be correct. Um, but I've never seen the great courses put on a resume unless it was highly specific to the job they're applying to. Um, now, there's something kind of similar to the great courses. Skillshare and Udemy. Um, they are not accredited 
they don't generally look, you know, huge on a resume. Um, but they are more of like a, a flexible platform. Um, again, it, it kind of seems to me like they are cashing in on the wave of adults taking courses. Um, but they seem to be a little bit more open and flexible with what they have on their platform. Similar to that, like we're, we're going, you know, if we're going from like hot to cold water, um, we're getting more and more into it's a platform for educators kind of territory. It's not, you know, we're far away from um, masterclass now. Masterclass is uh, a glossy magazine of a course. We are now into territory where it's in the educator's hands. Um, so Thinkific, um, I had never heard of this. It is really highly rated online, but I did not know Thinkific wasn't just strictly courses. It's not accredited, but what it is, is it's sort of like a, it's like a WordPress or um, a Squarespace, except for these online classes. So if you're a teacher or an educator, you plug into it and you, you say, you know, here's what I teach. I teach guitar or I teach writing or I teach podcasting. So they, they plug into Thinkific and Thinkific gives them a template like it, it gives them a template for their site. It gives them a template for their class. Uh, it gives them marketing tools and they can manage their class load. So theoretically, Thinkific could be made into an accredited class if it was an accredited teacher working through a college. Um, now we get into the hyper dense. We're far away from your great courses and master classes. We are now into actual college material. Um, so if you need to pick up some college classes, Sophia is, um, the one that I was pointed to by college. Are they accredited? Yes, but it's complicated. Sophia themselves, they do not offer degrees. Uh, they are more like a study hall style class for basic college classes. Um, their courses are recommended by the American Council on Education, meaning there's a lot of colleges that actually accept them as full credit. Are they great prep classes? Yeah, they they straddle the line between a prep class and like a basics like when you when you talk about core classes, they are like English, algebra, uh, um biology. Biology. Perfect, thank you. Uh, <laughs> That's ethics. All I, got. I got lucky. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm about to take their ethics class for my um for my license. So like yeah, there's it's it's meat and potatoes classes done in a very you know simple follow through self paced style. Um, of all of these, it's about price the same. Like it it's like eighty or ninety bucks a month, um, and you can take a couple classes a month. Um, but there, look up which colleges you are applying these to. Again, like like we mentioned before, like with Coursera, um, about forty colleges. Um, directly accept Sophia, almost like sight unseen. And then others, you have to check with your counselor to be like, hey, would you accept this? We're going to just mention the massive online open courses. No, they're not accredited. Um, they are almost entirely for fun, especially if they're uploaded to YouTube. Some classes can earn you college credits, but you have to check with your academic advisor it those i'm guessing are more going to be advisors who are like 
you can take a lecture course or an extra course. This is not going to be your core classes. This is going to be like, I took a lecture, basically, that lasted for 12 hours. <laughs> Here's one I want to try to convince Todd to get on board with me with. Have you heard of the Google certifications that came out last year? Yes, my wife talks about those. Oh, what does she say? Um, there's certain ones you can get and that escapes me now that will help you get a job at Google, a very high-paying job for an already academic. Okay. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Todd's wife is whip-smart and full of book learning. Like, she, she is highly educated. Um, it's interesting, when, when I hear that she was interested in these, that lets me know I'm, I'm on to something. This is resume padding. If you want to take anything from our list today and say it's going to look good on a resume, Google certifications. They came out last year. Um, they they were what Todd was saying. They, they were started out as, this is specifically how to get a job at Google. We had an episode about Elon Musk and college degrees. And in that episode, we said that most hiring managers, more than 80%, are looking for people who are recently certified with whatever software they use. They don't care as much about college degrees anymore. They are more interested in what can you not have to be trained on when you get here. If you already use Excel and you already use our other spreadsheet, our, our communication server, if you're experienced with Oracle, whatever they are using, if you can use it too, it cuts their training time by a lot. Google realized this. And they're like, hey, what if instead of saying the things that we want them to know before they apply to us, what if we give it to them? So Google put out um, Google career certifications. The idea was you would get certified through these, you'd come apply to Google, Google would hire you. However, so many of them apply to other jobs outside of Google that they have become almost their own like online degree or online certification. Um, I looked up, uh, this came from uh, usnews.com. They had an article uh, breaking down the numbers like one year later. Are these actually worth it, these classes? Um, they said 80% or more people who completed the certification earn more money in the first six months. Holy shit. And I absolutely believe it because their certifications are um, specific training, but to broad jobs, meaning there's a project management certification. There's a digital marketing certification. There's a certification for coding. So like these are really um, expert niche. Yes, both of those. Yeah, they are expert, they are niche. And you can take them online. Uh, a couple of them are for free. I'm about to take the digital marketing one for free. Um, but there's a couple of them that are cheap. Like when we when we're saying, you know, master classes 180 a year, and like, you know, Sophia is 90 bucks a month. It's in that ballpark. It is actually wildly inexpensive compared to, you know, college. That's pretty good odds, though. I'll take that 80%. Yeah, I, I really feel good about that. Do you think it's because it's just such good material? I think it's because it is industry standard material. Um, companies like Google and Amazon and like these big, big mega companies... They set the bar for what everyone else hires for and pays. So I think that having Google say, these are good enough, everyone else is going to be like, yep, they are. We want that too. 
I did a lot of sort of armchair internet research for this episode, but I want to hear from Todd because he actually has hired people before. My my experience online is all completely academic and exercise, basically. So as a hiring manager in the past, what do you think about all this? You know, my wife had an interview about a year and a half ago, and the hiring manager said to her, and I love this, he's an engineer, she's an engineer, she, he said, what is the nerdiest thing you've done this month? <laughs> 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 and so the nerdier it is on the resume, the better. And it's important for one thing, it separates you from the pack that you're doing things after work because everyone knows who's usually a hiring manager. The reason there are the hiring managers because they did a lot of work when work was when they were off the clock. Okay. So that's going to appeal to them right off their personality type. That's why they got that's why they're the boss. Now it's important to remember to put them in their proper place. And they should even if it's a crossover skill have some relevance to your job to make you a better hiree, a better employee. So number one is to make sure that keeps them in the proper place. Make sure it's relevant to the industry. Um, and then it's very important if they ask you about it or they ask you about yourself, you bring it up as a talking point if you're not comfortable talking about your other activities. Show how that'll work in their current job that they're, that they're applying for. So if I'm applying for a tech gig, I don't want to bring up that I took... Natalie Portman's acting masterclass, unless it is specific to acting, unless they ask about it, basically. Exactly. You know, and it's okay to talk about that like a personal thing, but it just doesn't. You want to make, put you, move you ahead of the pack with the most skills. Okay. The biggest one is be prepared to be asked about it. Because even if we've done something and we're not prepared to talk about it, it can make you seem like you just padded your resume. Right. And, and I'll give you an example. For me, I've uh, been a member of Toastmasters for many years. So people ask about me. It's the first thing I go to. And I say, I'm in a club, a communications club called Toastmasters. And what it makes me do is it makes me a lights out, polished presenter. So when there's a presentation at work, I raise my hand. You as my boss, if you have a presentation at work, you lean on me for feedback and I'll help you prepare a presentation. And if you don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it for you. It's made me good at public speaking, but it's made me an even better listener. I've honed my listening skills every week so I communicate better with my team thanks to Toastmasters. Whereas I, if you are my hiring manager and you ask me, about a writing masterclass I zoned out during while I was cooking dinner, I will be able to tell you who taught it and almost nothing else. You've been listening to The Reengineered You. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You mean the world to us. We have a new episode every week. You can connect with us at www.re-engineeredu.com. That's where we have research links, show notes, feedback, and blog articles. We're not experts in anything. We've got an opinion on everything. And speaking of opinions, uh, tune back next week, because next week we're going to be talking about clubs. This week was all about classes you can take online. Next week is going to be about immersing yourself into the experience of the education you want. 
So next week we become chess masters and master speakers by joining clubs. 